Welcome to It's Time, the daily Bible teaching program of Mike Kessler, pastor of the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. Today we're going verse by verse through the book of John. So turn there in your Bibles as we join Pastor Mike. If you have your Bibles this morning, I'd like to invite you to open them to the book of John, chapter 1. What's really amazing in the Scripture is sometimes the books will actually tell you why they are written. As an example, in the book 1 John, it says these things are written that you would know that you have eternal life. When it comes to this book of John, the epistle of John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, we find something interesting because in it, John writes in chapter 20, he says, these things are written that you would know that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. The purpose of the book is to identify who Jesus is. Now today there's a lot of people with a lot of goofy ideas who Jesus is. Depending on what TV program you might watch or depending on what TV evangelist you might watch, You might think that Jesus is somebody completely different than the Bible tells you who he is. And because we understand this in this world that we live in, we're living in a post-Christian era. Now, the reason why this is important to understand is 25, 30, 40 years ago, you would talk to people about God and they had some concept of who God was. Either their grandma was a Christian or they had been to taken to church when they were in Sunday school. They heard something about God. They knew something about a relationship with the Lord. But now we're in a post-Christian era and people today do not know who God is. We have TV programs on television called Lucifer. We have really went off the deep end, friends. So we need to know for ourselves who Jesus Christ is and how to prove that. You will have people come to your door in nice shiny suits, knocking on it, telling you that Jesus Christ is the half-brother of Satan, or they'll tell you that Jesus is Michael the archangel, they'll tell you that Jesus Christ is not God, and this is why you need to know, settle in your heart, to defend your faith. That's why we're looking at the book of John today. And um, uh, he is, uh, uh, again, called in the book of John, uh, the beloved disciple. Now, I think this is important because some other people say, well, didn't Jesus love the other disciples? Yes, he did. But John recognized that love that God had for him. I pray that today you understand that love that God has for you. And so it starts off very much like the book of Genesis starts off. Genesis 1.1 says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Now the reason why that's important, everything has a beginning in our mind. But in God, God always existed. You know, as I get older, I, I don't know when I first started noticing how quickly time passes, but I think it was when I was buying milk. And I'd stop by a store and I would look at the expiration date on the carton. And I begin to notice how fast those dates go. I don't know how about you. Have you ever been over to your friend's house? And you say, well, where are your little kids? And they come out, you know, and they're, you know, five and a half, six foot tall. No, where's your little babies at? 
No, they, they, this is them. They've grown up. How fast time goes. We don't always gather that because everything in our minds has a beginning, has an ending. But Jesus has always been, and that's what we find in Genesis 1-1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Now what's important about that, the word there is in the beginning Elohim created the heavens and the earth. El is singular. Elo is, is dual, and Him is three or more. Now why this is important is this. We were created in the image of God. And by the way, friends, again, as you study more about God, you're going to know more about you. We're a body, mind, and spirit. Now this is a wonderful thing when all three work together. It's a very miserable experience when they don't. This is what called alcoholics. Their mind knows they shouldn't drink. Their spirit may be non-functioning completely. And their body says, I want it. I don't care what the consequences are. And so we find a dysfunctionality within us. But why are we a triune being? Because God is a triune being. In the beginning, Elohim. The word Elohim again literally means in the beginning, God's created the heavens and the earth. People go, ah, Zeus, Hermes, Buddha. No, the Bible tells us who this Elohim is. Let us make man in our image. He wasn't speaking to the angels. There's different kooky religions around. Angels are not procreative forces. You'll never find them creating anything in the Bible. They are messengers. They are warriors. But they do not procreate. This is something that was reserved for God. And because you are in God's image, you do the same when you have your kids. So that's important to understand. Well, now we come to the book of John. And notice what it says, in the beginning was the Word. This is an interesting title for Jesus Christ. And if you want to write little footnotes in your Bible, you might want to write this down. But Revelation 19.13 says that on Jesus' vesture, on his robe, was written the Word of God. This is his name. This is who he is. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. He didn't say he was there at the beginning of creation. It says he was there at the beginning of everything. Jesus has always been. He wasn't a created being in Bethlehem, there that we celebrate at Christmas time. He's always been. It's when he became flesh and dwelt among us is when we knew him. But he had existed years before. In fact, it's interesting in this book of John, because the purpose of the book of John, again, is to let you know who Jesus Christ is. He says this in John 8, 58, 8, 57, and 8, 56. The Pharisees are dealing with Jesus. And Jesus said, Abraham rejoiced to see my day, saw it, and was glad. The Pharisees immediately responded and they said, Jesus, you're not yet 50 years old and you've seen Abraham? Now Abraham was the Jewish patriarch where all the Jews came from. Thousands of years before. And Jesus said, before Abraham was, I am, when they ask him, you're not yet 50 years old and you've seen Abraham? Jesus said, before Abraham was, I was. I am. 
And by the way, before Abraham was, I am, is improper English. It's improper Hebrew and it's improper Greek. You would say before Abraham was, I was, or before Abraham was, you know, I am is present tense, past tense. I don't know how anybody can be present, past tense, Jesus Christ is. That's important to always remember that nothing takes Jesus by surprise. Now when we go back to Revelation, when we get to the last chapter, it talks about Jesus Christ being Alpha and Omega, beginning and the end, first and the last. A cursory reading of that, you would say, oh, that's nice. But when you stop to realize what Jesus is saying there, Jesus knows it all. Wow. You mean that Jesus knew that I would mess up in my life, even as a Christian, and still choose me to be on his team? Yes. Now that should bring comfort to every one of us, because I've talked to many people in my life, leading them to Christ, and one of the questions always is, well, if I accept Jesus, what if I goof up? Let me tell you something you're going to. Because it's the nature of our old sin nature that we have in this body, and someday we're going to get rid of this thing and get one that isn't prone to sin. But until that time comes, we're going to wrestle with this. Now, John writes in the epistles, my little children, if any of you sin, you have a lawyer, you have an advocate with the Father, which is Christ Jesus. So nobody should ever not choose Christ because they might mess up because the Bible says if we say we have no sin, the truth is not in us and we make him a liar. What Jesus is saying there is, or maybe I should say John, referring to Jesus, we're bent on being mess ups. You wonder why your kids mess up? They're just a younger version of us. You say, well, I don't want to believe that. Have kids, you'll understand that. Amazing how that works. So he says, in the beginning, that means in the very start of everything, was the Word. It doesn't say he came along afterwards. It's speaking, he was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The word with in the Greek is the word para, and it literally means in the beginning, and I'll read it this way, in the beginning was the word, or the logos in the Greek, and the logos was alongside theos, or alongside God. Now that's the Greek version, but it means literally Jesus has always been alongside his Father. He was not a created being. Somebody will say and and make mention of another place in Scripture where it says that Jesus was the firstborn of creation. The word firstborn means the first bearer of all things. It doesn't mean he was created. It just means he was the creator of all things. Well, what does it say here? Exactly the same thing. He was in the beginning with God. Verse 3, all things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. So Jesus was the procreative force of the Elohim in Genesis 1-1 that through the the Godhead, Jesus is the one that made everything. Now we know that Jesus is fully God. He's not the Father. We know that the Father is God, but He's not the Son. We know the Holy Spirit is fully God, but He's not Jesus or the Father. 
But yet they're so in love with each other, at times they interchange identities. We find, again, in the Bible, it says that Jesus rose himself from the dead. Tear this temple down, three days I'll raise it again. Another place in Scripture it says the Father rose Jesus from the dead. In another place it says the Holy Spirit raised him from the dead. So we have to come to a conclusion. Either somebody's lying or they're all God. And because they're all God, they can interchange their identities. And that's not really, but Jesus said it best. They're walking along the road. and They said, Jesus, show us the Father and that will satisfy us. And Jesus said, he that has seen me has seen the Father. Whoa, that's a pretty in, 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 in incredible statement. He that has seen me has seen the Father. Yes, because Jesus is the full express image of your Father in heaven. Now remember this. Down through the history of time, man has wanted to know his origins. Just the way it is. Where did we all come from? And for those who think, where are we all going? Well, when we stop to look at this, it says that we were created in the image of God and that we would know who God is. But how can we know an unknowable God? Is God just kind of some far off, unknowable, cosmic ooze? Or is God someone that we could relate with? How would we know? Man always wanted to know what God was like. Who is this God? People today, they they get it all goofed up. God is love. Love is God. No, love is not God. Love is an attribute of God, but love is not God. That was a big saying back in the late 60s, early 70s, that love is God. Now it started off, God is love, but then they changed it to just saying love is God. No, that's not the way it works. Now here's why that's important. To reach out and know who God is, that you would know and be able to relate with him, is the desire of your Father in heaven. This is why Jesus, when he taught the disciples to pray, he said, when you pray, pray like this. Our Father, which art in heaven. Isn't it funny that God wanted you to relate to your God in heaven as a child going to their daddy? Isn't it great that Jesus didn't say this? When you pray, pray like this. O unknowable one in the farthest out cosmos. That would sure disjoint you, wouldn't it? But God wants us to relate with him as a child does to a father. Jesus all the time would encourage the disciples, and whatever you ask the father in my name, he will give it to you. Now James tells us the reason why some of our prayers aren't answered is because we ask amiss. We ask out of selfish motives or some other reason and, and, and really God then ultimately doesn't get the glory. But when our prayers are in alignment with the purposes of God, it's God's good pleasure to grant those to us. Well, to be able to reach out and know who God is. The one who made everything. The Bible here says that nothing was made that was made that Jesus didn't make. In fact, another Bible verse tells us that he holds all things together. And contrary to science, they call it atomic glue. 
The Bible tells us that it's Jesus that holds everything together. He made everything, he holds it together. And what's really weird, it says that God formed everything from nothing. People used to laugh and ridicule about that until they understood the structure of atoms. And how depending on what's in the nucleus of an atom and what's the in the protons and the neutrons and depending on how many there are dep- depends on whether it's wood, steel, metal, you, whatever it might be. It's just energy. And by the way, so when they go in there, when they figured that out, good old Einstein and the E equal MC2 thing, when he went in and they realized if you could split the atom, you would be unleashing energy or power. Do you realize in a single grain of salt, there's three months of heat for the average American home? In one grain of salt, if you could split down the atomic structure energy, you could heat your home for three months on one grain of salt. I don't believe there's going to be any energy crisis whatsoever during the millennial reign of Christ. God's got it figured out. So when you understand then that inside that atom, because what that energy is, the Bible says that God holds it together. He created it. Now by nature, as you understand, like charges repel. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. You put two South Pole magnets together and they push apart. <clears throat> this is what all the all the, the atoms should do inside of the nucleus of the atom. The protons, the positive charged elements would by nature repel one another. But they don't. Why? We don't know. Atomic glue. If you check it out, that's what they call it. The Bible says it's Jesus. He holds all things together. By the way, the Bible says that when he's done with the millennial reign of Christ, and he's going to make all things new, the Bible says this earth melts with a fervent heat. Now that is the 4th of July celebration you don't want to miss. Because when this baby blows, it's going to go. Here comes the grand finale. I like this part. Because it's going to be spectacular. The Bible says he makes all things new. The old has passed away. The former things are not remembered. And God does a brand new thing with all of us in eternity forever. So it says all things were made through him. And without him, not anything made that was made. By the way, the Bible does the commentary on itself. This is why we go back to Revelation and you realize that uh, all those idioms that are in the, in the book of Revelation are all discussed in the rest of the Bible. Well, remember this. They came to Jesus. And Jesus said, you know, the crowd is great. It's getting late. Give them something to eat. And they said, Lord, we all we have here is a couple of loaves and a few fish. But what is that amongst so many? And Jesus said, bring it to me. He prayed for it. He blessed it. He broke it and fed the crowds. Isn't that amazing? Jesus could violate laws of thermodynamics. He could violate the laws. Why? Because he made the laws. Isn't it amazing that if you are the one that makes the laws, you can violate the laws? Because you can go, you're a greater Your statement, your word is greater than the law that's written. Jesus walks on the water. That's not hard for somebody who made the water. 
That's not hard for somebody who made the wind. That's not somebody, that's not hard for somebody who made the waves. He can do those kinds of things. Remember, it's energy that has been compiled by God. Again, you don't have to take my word for it. Go, go check out your, in your science classes. And you'll find that everything that is, is just energy depending on the protons and neutrons, whether it's wood, metal, and it's all energy. Made from nothing, but become something. So Jesus multiplying the loaves and fishes. How is that hard? He made them to begin with. Here, how many you want? That's why you never burden your Father in heaven by asking Him for things. Well, you know, God, I know you're kind of, you know, the recession's kind of on still, and I need this, and I need that, and God goes, well, I don't know what I'm going to do. I went to the bank, and well, we're overdrawn. Not at all. All God asks us to do is just trust Him. Say, okay, Lord, I know you can make something from nothing. So, I just ask you to meet this need. You know, I, I gotta tell you, when I pray, for many, many years, I would pray and I would figure out how God was gonna answer the prayer. Well, God, I'm gonna pray. And then you're gonna have somebody call me on the phone, and, and then they're gonna offer me a job, or they're gonna do this, or they're gonna do that, or you got it all figured out. And God goes, nah, let me show you how I'm gonna do it. God's got a better way. And in doing that, he uses you to minister to others. Remember, we're here on our daddy's business. You're ambassadors, the Bible says. That's why when you're saved, you're not immediately transported to heaven, never to return to this place. The reason we're all still here, and I know some of you wonder this every day, is because we're here to serve our king. Because we're in a lost world. Again, we've talked about this before. He was the Word of God. He's Alpha and Omega, beginning and the end. If God knows the beginning from the end, knows who makes it and who doesn't, why are we all living in this this zoo we call living? It's because God's an honest God. God's a factual God. God's a legal God. Somebody might say, well, if everybody got to live their lives out or didn't, and you already knew who was going to make it and who didn't, then you just appoint them. We wouldn't have the experience of knowing what it was like to serve God without knowing him. See, what I mean by that is not being able to physically see him. That's why the Bible tells us in Corinthians chapter 6 that do you not know this? Someday you'll judge angels. Do you realize the angelic hosts saw all the majesty and the glory of God, all, everything that God had made. You you have the description of what heaven is like. And a third of the host of heaven rebelled against God. Now that to me, friends, is pretty weird because having seen the greatness and the glory of God rebelled against him. Now think about this. You, me, who have never seen the full glory of God. We haven't seen the the streets of gold, clear as crystal, the light radiates through, and we haven't seen our risen Savior in person, all these different things, and yet we choose to love Him and to serve Him. It's a love story, friends. Thank you for joining us on It's Time, as Pastor Mike teaches verse by verse through the Bible. If you've missed a program or would like to catch up, you can do so by getting it from the It's Time podcast in the iTunes store or by downloading it from the It's Time website at theriverchristianfellowship.com slash it's time. On behalf of Pastor Mike and the rest of us here at the River Christian Fellowship, thank you for listening and tune in next time for It's Time. It's Time.